Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Previously on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. That's a feel-good Friday today, getting you into the weekend. And a big weekend, it is going to be all the college basketball Pacers in action. And, of course, uh, the Colts and Steelers coming up at Lucas Oil 430. We'll have the pregame, the postgame, the game, everything right here on the fan. All right, so we teased this a couple different times. Let's get to it right now. Let's reward the audience, Kevin Bowen. You have some stats up as well, 1075thefan.com. But the big storyline coming from this one, or going into this one, I should say, is T.J. Watt. There was a thought he was injured last week, had a long week. They played, if you remember, the Steelers did on Thursday night. Uh, He got injured early in that game, came back with a visor. There's been a lot of back and forth. Did he play? Did he have a concussion? Uh, Why wasn't this caught? Was it caught? Did they ignore it? So the PA and the NFL may be looking into that. Either way, he passes concussion protocol. He is ready to go. And when... Basically, when he plays, they have a chance of winning. And when he doesn't, they don't. He will be in there on Saturday. So that's obviously, pregame-wise, one of the big storylines. What numbers can you throw our way to uh, titillate us this morning, Kevin Bowen? You know, I think sometimes you often see, like, okay, you know, when this guy starts at quarterback, you know, team success is here. When this guy doesn't start at quarterback, team success, you know, drops to here. Um, So with a quarterback or even maybe an offensive player, like an elite wideout, uh, some of those numbers can be, you know, rather notable, but I guess to a degree a little bit expected. I was shocked to see Pittsburgh's with and without TJ Watt. Uh, Andy, if you look at the last four years, with TJ Watt in the lineup, Pittsburgh has won 68% of their games. Obviously a really nice mark. Uh, they've allowed 19 points per game. Uh, so certainly anytime you're under 20 in today's NFL, it's pretty darn good. So again, with Watt, 68% of wins, 19 points per game. He has not played in 10 games in the last four years. They are 1-9 in those 10 games, and they allow 26 points per game. So one defensive player it's an unbelievable is the stat. difference in your season being, you know, whatever, 12-6 and six or 11-6, and six, I guess, with the new 17-game schedule, something around there from a, you know, winning two out of every three versus going... 3-14 and 14 or something like that. And again, when you're talking about the Colts right now, and you're talking about seven points in a football game, I mean, how big is that? Just look at the margin for error in New England, or I should say in Germany against New England, or you know, in Nashville a couple weeks ago, what seven points would mean. Same thing goes for Pittsburgh. If you think about their offense right oh, now. Oh, sure, they can't score at all. 14 points per game the last month. They haven't scored over 20 right. in the last month. So what does seven points mean to them? And I think when you start to look at this one, it's not just T.J. Watt's presence. It, it's that you're going from Braden Smith, who, yes, I know a lot of people just write him off because he hasn't been very healthy this season. When he's out there, though, he is very effective and one of the better right tackles in football. And now you're going to a fourth-round rookie, who I think Blake Freeland has, has been fine, but still... Uh, he's not Braden Smith. And when I think back to matchups this season with Josh Allen of Jacksonville and Trey Hendrickson with the Bengals and you know obviously Miles Garrett, go back to that Browns game, those guys made their presence felt. Um, so I think if you are a Colts fan, you are on your knees pleading Shane Sykin. Anybody but Watt. <laughs> Do not let Watt. And they've got some other dudes on that defense, but still, he is the game wrecker. He's the guy that can change the game. Does that mean a tight end's got to stay in and chip a lot? Does that mean a running back's got to go over there and chip a lot? So be it. So be it. Because to me, uh, the numbers are beyond impressive that he can just single-handedly wreck a game. So for me, that matchup uh, is easily the biggest one to watch. And it's probably a reason why I am so uh, uneasy about this one for the Colts, given Mitch Trubisky stinks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's the thing for me. T.J. Watt being in this game has made me think about it a lot more. I mean, just because yeah, they're you the were Steelers, heavy Colts, I feel like early yeah, in the week I when mean, it looked like Watt was still iffy. Yeah, because you know I'm looking at okay, a he's got a concussion, and how many times. Have we around here? It doesn't matter the position, KB. Has anyone in the Colts come back the next week? 
They had Mo Alley Cox. Okay, was Mo uh, Alley Cox the only one? Now but Pittsburgh did have an extra day with playing on Thursday night. They did, and I understand that. I'm not saying something you know nefarious is going on here. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, when a guy gets a concussion, it is like I don't even feel like it's very it's fifty fifty that he's going to play the next week. And so T.J. Watt has. I mean, if you look at it, fourteen sacks to me, it's. It's him getting the sacks, but what worries me most about TJ Watt and just everything involved with him and you know the Steelers knowing they're going to have to get a pass rush is punting the ball here is not going to be the worst thing for Gardner no, Minshew. No, fumbling the ball is right, right and, and right. that's what worries me. And then on top of it, I will say. You know, when Miles Garrett was dominating that first game, go back a month ago, month and a half ago now, uh, when Miles Garrett was dominating that game earlier this season, Shane Steichen backed up in his own end zone, I, decided well, I, we're yeah. gonna do a we're gonna do a long drop here with mm-hmm. Minshew. Yeah, double we're, move. Yeah, we're gonna do I a double. Yeah, we're gonna do yeah. a double move on the outside. That that's something that cannot happen right. in this game. Right. You know, it, it's funny you bring that up because I remember you and I discussing that on the Monday after of saying you know. There's an element of aggression and belief in your players that's fine and well, but there's awful, it borderlines on stupidity at times. And I think it was that Monday night, if I'm not mistaken, Andy, that was a Manning cast where Aaron Rodgers went on with Peyton and Eli. And I think it was the 49ers as one of the uh, teams playing on Monday night. I'll look it up. That's a great memory if you're right, by the way. I'm going to be be very impressed if this is right. And Rodgers brought up to the Mannings, like, hey, when we were facing San Francisco in years past, we would have plays specifically on the call sheet of if 97 is off the field, and that would be Nick Bosa for San Francisco. And it's one of those things where you want to take deep shots over the course of a game, but you're not going to be stupid to realize if Bosa is on the field or if he's single team, certainly, that we can just all of a sudden block him up and boom, I can sit in the pocket and try to find Randall Cobb down the middle or Jordy Nelson, you know, whoever. I'm probably going way too far back in Packers days, but that to me was what was so confusing about that game against the Browns. Miles Garrett is not on the field for every single snap. TJ Watt plays a whole lot, but he's going to be off the field in all likelihood for probably, I don't know, let's say 10 snaps over the course of a game. If you think and you want to take those shots to Alec Pierce, that would be the time to do it. That, to me, was where it was one of the very few moments all year I thought to myself, that was just stupidity from Shane Steichen. Backed up, in your own end zone, rookie right tackle, and you think double move with your backup quarterback at that point. Uh, You're asking to play with fire and get burnt, and you were in that moment. So... I think that is also something to tomorrow. I have been very vocal in saying, you know, two to three deep shots to Alec Pierce a game needs to be commonplace. But to me, they've got to be pretty darn strategic tomorrow of when you do them. And certainly staying away from the obvious passing situations goes without saying. And of course, they struggle with that with Zach Moss, so many negative runs last week. So to me, the TJ Watt presence against a rookie right tackle, it has totally shifted my thinking of how. I view this game and thinking, I think Pittsburgh's got a legit chance, despite borderline ineptness at quarterback and Mitch Trubisky. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we know they can run the football, but this has been, you know, we're talking, we we are respecting. Here's what we're doing. You especially, but I, I totally get it. You're spot on. The numbers bear out you being nervous about this particular matchup, but their offense has been as stinky as an offense can get. Has it not? Their quarterback play has been as rotten as you can get in the NFL. Very stinky, very rotten, and I guess to continue the analogy, it's probably a horrible continuation of it. (laughs) Don't they have some deodorant? Yeah. Like lingering. I, I mean, they have some good. Don't they, they have, have some guys? I guess players. is what I'm getting at. No, you would want you like would Carolina, want George Pickens on your team. Carolina and New England didn't have guys. Agreed. Agreed. They, and, and Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. Those are all guys that have made some plays in the NFL. You would take all of them on your some offense more right than now. Others. And I get yeah. it. They've been dysfunctional, and they could be down their best offensive linemen coming up on Saturday, and sure, the evidence is there. They haven't scored over 20 in the last four weeks, but I, I just want uh, i want to remind people that yes, uh, their quarterback play looked horrific last Thursday night against New England, 
but it's not like the cupboard is totally bare for old Mitch. That's that's why I think they're going to rely on the running game a little bit. Lean on Harris, lean on Warren for that change of pace, right? And see how the running game goes. If they start gashing the Colts, they might lean more on that, take more off of Trubisky's plate, and just go with the run game. Yeah, that the worry the worry on both sides of the ball would be the Pittsburgh A is able to run the ball, and then they get short fields because T.J. Watt and or that defense does something to create short fields the way that Miles Garrett created right, short fields right. where they had to go out there as P.J. Walker or uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, and he got injured in that game very early, but where they got out and they could run three bad plays, kick a field goal, and get some free points. I looked it up, by the way. It was week seven of the NFL. That's when the Colts lost to the Browns 39-38. Do you remember the Monday night matchup? It was the 49ers. Do you remember the other team? For some reason, I'm picturing indoors and Vikings. Oh, you're on today. Boy, who's who's doing better than Kevin Bowen today? 22-17, Vikings beat the 49ers. That's, when, that's before Kirk Cousins obviously shredded up uh, his Achilles and everything else. It's because he's drinking scotch in that thermos today. It's not, it's not his usual water. <laughs> shredded up the Achilles. What an awful image on this Friday morning. Uh, did, did you happen to shred your Achilles? Well, that's what he did. Did you happen to see what Kirk Cousins is doing for the holidays? Who he's an uh, you know a spokesman for? He's got the the big gold chain. You know, you what? Did you ever watch the Netflix thing? Well, you didn't know, he rocked out on the plane? Yeah, he's been he's been he flavor the, Flav? Yeah, he's been rocking the chains. He's got a Coles cash. Flavor Flav singing the national anthem this weekend. <laughs> I'd love to view that. What, what what's he? Which Coles? one? Uh, the Coles Cash, you know the re- you know the the the, the store the, the, that my depart- mom goes to, yeah, the mm-hmm. department store that oh, everyone's mom wow. goes to. Yeah, that fits Kirk Cousins. He's got the Coles Cash Good. with the gold chain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, oh. it's funny, you know. It's that's an interesting yeah now mashup. One thing Pittsburgh related. I went on Steelers Radio yesterday. Oh, did you? And this is their this is their mindset in Pittsburgh. Okay, we hate the team right now. Uh, people are ready to be done with Tomlin. And this is such a Tomlin game to where oh, it's yeah. in the national loan window. The Steelers win it, and all the national media says, this is why Tomlin's a Hall right. of Famer, you lo- et cetera, you lo- et cetera. You local idiots want to get rid of Mike Tomlin. You guys are ungrateful yeah. for Mike Tomlin, et cetera, well, they are a little bit. et cetera. So that is how Pittsburgh is viewing this. We've just lost to back-to-back double-digit loss teams in, at home in Arizona and New England. There is no evidence to necessarily believe in Pittsburgh, but yet, lo and behold, at seven and six, Mike Tomlin says, "You think I'm finishing under 500 in a season?" Well, with all the okay, we don't do that. You saying this combined with the TJ Watt, I feel like I'm trying to be convinced and now pick the Pittsburgh Steelers well, to win this game. That That's not lo- something I want to do either. That logic that was shared with me when I heard that gave me no like reassurance of like, oh yeah, Pittsburgh's going to win this game. The TJ Watt stuff actually, <laughs> well, sure. I'm like, yeah. you know what? There's actually some evidence there. With that, uh, and I am curious, and I, I'm curious every time Pittsburgh comes to Indianapolis, uh, just how much black and yellow is in there. Yeah, I know Steichen was asked that a couple different times. I, I don't think he liked. It. He's like, our fans will show up and everything. I mean, there's it, listen, there's going to be Steeler fans. It's fine. I mean, like everyone I mean, knows. You can, you can look at the secondary market, and honestly, you could you could sell this ticket and potentially you know get a decent chunk of your season ticket package back. By the way, have you seen the? Secondary market for Purdue, Arizona. We talked about that. What day? Tuesday. Dear Lord, it's like two thousand. If you want to sit really close, it might cost you twenty two hundred to go to that game. Unbelievable. That's great. Unbelievable. The ticket prices for number one against number three coming up tomorrow. I'm curious about that line. Do you think that'll be pick'em? Purdue and Zona? Yeah, and I just hate how we can't get a line today. I mean, the teams don't play today, and there's no injury. We're you know we're not waiting to see if Zach Eadie's going to be available or not. We know he's healthy. We know he's good to go. So I always hate how college basketball lines, we usually can't even get to the morning, and then we can't get player props until we get closer to game time. I would say, what, Purdue favored by two and a half? I was going to go minus fair? one and a half. Okay. Give me a guess in Bloomington. Uh, I'm going to say Kansas by nine and a half. Is that too much? I think it's seven and a half. Maybe maybe seven and a half, six and a half. The first number that popped in my head was six and a half. Okay, 
Yeah, I mean, I can already tell you, I think IU loses by 16 tomorrow. I already feel good about where I'm going with that. God, that non-conference resume. It's just not going to be good. stinkier than the Steelers. It is stinkier. Can I give you just, uh, again, Rakes are all going to join us coming up at 8. Matt Taylor at uh, at 9. Michael Grady coming your way at about 9.40. We'll get to our picks at 8.30 or so. Can I throw just one other thing out there as we talk about this game on Saturday with Pittsburgh? Um, Just looking around, KB, at what else... You know, this is where the Colts are. If they win, there's going to be the jubilation, but you still, on Saturday and Sunday, are going to be paying attention to what happens around the league, okay? And if you lose, now you're in a situation to where you're really going to be rooting against some certain teams. So what are the other teams around them doing? We know the Steelers and Colts next to each other in the playoffs, so we know two seven and six, and again, everyone's seven and six at this point, it seems like. Uh, Two seven and six teams. The Texans, who are below the Colts, okay, who are the eighth seed right now, they go at Tennessee, so they're going to be playing the Titans on the road, and C.J. Stroud is not going to play in that game. He is going through concussion protocol, and it sure doesn't look like he is going to be cleared by Sunday afternoon. I mean, everything I have seen is pointing to him not playing. They have massive now wide receiver issues. I kind of think the Texans are done. I think they'll be done after this week, perhaps. So they go to Tennessee. Done, they- done? I mean, if CJ, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's a concussion. I, I, I mean, yeah. if he's back next week, I just, if you ask me, isn't he the best quarterback of all these teams kind of in the mix right now? Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Those wide receivers are beat up and they, they go Titans, Browns, Titans again. And then here in Indy, I, I'm, I think the Texans... Joe Flacco, Will Levis. I mean, it's not like they're playing... Oh, Joe Flacco. Boy. You kidding? That's an elite quarterback I'll in take the NFL. That, you want to go against the Texans, I'll take the Texans. Now, you know the bigger storyline that in game. In which way? So you want to you bet that the Texans make the playoffs? Sure. I will take... Done. Six-pack. Six Here pack we go. Beer. I, will, right. I will absolutely do that. Yeah. Shake no hands, problem, you two. Shake a hand. We got, Here we no, go. Now we got a new studio. Here we go. There, we're, we're, there we're shaking we go. a Look hand. Look at that. I hope the YouTube camera caught that. Yeah, I hope they did. So Now, you know the bigger deal in that game. It's not CJ Stroud not playing. It's the Titans wearing Houston Oilers throwback. Of all the games on the schedule, mm-hmm. they good. picked the Houston Texans <laughs> as the opponent well, to wear the Oilers well, throwback. Well, yeah, there's a little trolling Come going on, on there. I Come like on that. Now. Uh, the Broncos, 7 and 6, they go at the Lions. The Bengals, 7 and 6, home against the Vikings. Bills, 7 and 6, home against the Cowboys. So if you're looking at it this week, if the Colts could win, and let's say the Texans don't have Stroud, the Broncos going at the Lions, the Lions got to be pissed off a little bit. They've been shaky the last two, three weeks. I think the Bengals have a nice matchup. We're talking Nick Mullins is going to be starting that game, I believe, uh, there in Minnesota. And then the Bills, I mean, the Cowboys, no one's playing as good as the Cowboys. We've had that conversation around here. What about the Cowboys outdoors? Listen, it's valid. Listen, I think the Bills could absolutely win that game. My point being, besides Cincinnati, there are some good matchups for the Colts if you know, either way, if they lose, obviously you want all these other teams that I've listed to lose. And if they win, there is a chance Texans, Broncos, and Bills could all lose with three games left in the season. It's all a possibility. So again, rundown on that: the Saturday game sandwiched around Colts Steelers. You're going to want Vikings over Bengals at one o'clock. That is in Cincy. The nightcap. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're going to want Detroit at home over Denver. So those are the two Saturday games around your own. Then on Sunday, you want Mark's Bears over the Browns. Mm-hmm. That is Done deal. in Done deal. Down. You want, I guess, Andy's Titans. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, or maybe just not the Texans. You want the Titans at home over the Texans with Davis Mills mm-hmm. starting for Houston in all likelihood. And then Dallas on the road at Buffalo. And that's Sunday night football Ravens-Jags, right? Uh, yes. So that would be the other one. I know Jacksonville is not necessarily in the wild card picture, but if they continue down this path, granted, Jacksonville's schedule looks much more manageable after Sunday night, but that will be Baltimore at Jacksonville. 
or that. I hate how uh, I've I've been the Texans guy all year in the face of all the Indianapolis fans, and now Mark is going to swoop in at Turning the end. Your back, and how I've, dare you? And I've turned my back, and now he's now he's going to carry the torch. The remainder. Well, now that there's <laughs> the beer on the line. The I have season. to jump on the Texans train. Well, I feel like. Of, well, now you do. Yeah. Now we got a six pack on the line. So somebody give me we'll a Tank Bell jersey. <laughs> a Noah Brown jersey, a, a Will, Devin Singletary Will jersey. Will Anderson jersey here for Mark Dyson. <laughs> uh, again, for those that missed it, injury report wise for the Colts, no Jonathan Taylor for a third straight game. Braden Smith is also out. Good news on EJ Speed and Juju Brents. For Pittsburgh, they'll have both their pass rushers. Uh, Both guys questionable entering the week. T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, both of those guys are going to play. They could have uh, Isaac Ciamalo, one of their better offensive linemen. Uh, He's iffy for this one. Uh, So outside of Kenny Pickett not playing, that's probably the biggest one with Pittsburgh. All right, on the other side, Greg Rakestraw joins us. It is a busy Saturday for Rakel High School Action. We'll chat about as well. We'll do that next. Michael Grady coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. We were smiling there during the break. Jake Query giving his uh, little looky there. What's coming up at noon on Query and Company? Kevin Bowen's the lead. Wow, look at that. Big time radio guy today. You know, ever since I've kind of done that every Friday at 2 with those guys, the happy hours moved up to about 1 <laughs> on Friday. Oh, that's about right. You know. Uh, this is a this is a 1 o'clock happy hour type Friday. All these Fridays are, right? Because people have time off that they need to use. And as we get closer to Christmas and all the holiday stuff and everything else, pretty soon here we're going to have the first bowl games. We need to look that up. When are the first bowl Oh, we got to have one on Tuesday, right? Uh, don't we? What's I feel Tuesday? Like I, Help I, me. What's Tuesday? No, just for some reason, I feel like the first bowl game every year is, is on always a Tuesday. On a, is on a Tuesday? Yeah. At, at, Do we get the Bahamas uh, Bowl? I need to look it up now. Something like that? Well, I need to get in some sort of, uh, sort of pick'em league. Maybe we should start that. Uh, Greg Gregstraw going to join us here in a few. Again, Matt Taylor coming up at 9. Michael Grady, uh, who's been in, obviously, these studios quite often. Uh, over the years, uh, Timberwolves Pacers tomorrow night. That is the Western Conference leading T-Wolves there. So we'll talk with Michael Grady coming up here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, bowl season? I mean, they got to be soon. Okay, it's, a, it's coming up tomorrow. Oh, really? I'm an First idiot. Yeah, well, I thought it had to be soon. Yeah, we have the... Uh, what do we got? We have the Myrtle Beach Bowl, the Cricket Celebration Bowl, the RL Carriers Bowl. It's a New Orleans Bowl. So, you know, we got we got some lower matchups, but, you know, it's okay. UCLA-Boise State would be the big bowl game that we have uh, coming up tomorrow. All right, enough with that. We have Greg Rakestraw joining us here like he does every Friday, 8 o'clock on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, good morning. How are you today, sir? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Happy holidays to both of you. And don't be so quick to blow off UCLA and Boise State. That's that is game. now a Big Ten bowl game. All right, so pay attention. <laughs> We're going to cheer on our it. Western brothers in whatever bowl game they're playing in that nobody cares about. Yep. All right, UCLA's got uh, that Ball State transfer with the hair. For some reason, I can't think of his name. That would be Carson Steele, and people on the southwest side of town are yelling at you for ignoring his center grove roots and his <laughs> luxurious naturally blonde hair. That's on me. I get, did give a shout-out to Ron Colley and center grove earlier. Yeah. Watched a couple of their volleyball products you, in the you final You at least knew night. that he was in the yeah. picture? Come on. The that's, hair's all that matters, Yeah, the hair's frankly. all that matters. Uh, that. Oh, well, speaking of hair, it, if I can transition a little bit, Rake, the dude who won Mr. Football yesterday's got some hair. Was that a surprise how overwhelmingly... Josh Ringer, the East Central running back, took home the honors? No. I mean, he had 60 touchdowns, for goodness sakes. He finished ninth, I want to say, in state history in scoring. He finished 14th or 15th in terms of career rushing yards. They're the back-to-back 4A state champs. And they were so dominant this year. And in the one kind of opponent that would be like a 6A team in terms of Moeller, East Central beat them, and Josh had a huge game. The entire team had a huge game, but they won 38-20. And again, to put that in perspective, for some sort of comparison's sake, Ben Davis beat Moeller by 20 the first game of the season. Center Grove beat Moeller in overtime. Wow. So it kind of gives you an idea as to just how good East Central was. To get back into that debate, if they had to play a full 6A schedule, would, would the attrition kick in a little bit? Yeah, I think so. But in a one-off, they could have been competitive with anybody else in the state this year. He is a very deserving winner. 
Greg Regstraw joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Obviously, a lot of college basketball, one right down the road in Gamebridge. It's going to be so big. You're going to be on the Pulse game of the Colts and Steelers, a huge game in Lucas Oil. Let's start here, though. I'm not sure there's many people uh, that can maybe talk about this better. I'll put you on the spot, but the passing away yesterday of George McGinnis. Did your paths ever cross? Uh, I guess your reaction to him passing away. Young guy, just 73 years old. That news coming down about 24 hours ago. Yeah, obviously a legend. Uh, and again, it was kind of unique in the times in terms of being able to go from, you know, play, be, being a local basketball star and playing for the local preeminent college. That story's been written 9,000 times over. Um, the unique nature of the nine-year window of the ABA when to ensure you would get the best players, say, hey, who you want to go play for? They want to go play for the Indiana Pacers. You know, something like that wouldn't necessarily happen now. Um, our paths crossed infrequently. Uh, I moved to town in 94. George was doing some media work back then, but I really didn't kind of get into, you know, sports talk, radio, television kind of full time until, say, 1998. So we only see each other infrequently. But what strikes me is how many of my friends that work in the business have shared a very similar story about George. They're like, hey, we, we acknowledge his greatness as a player. Um, but but it was his greatness as a person. I've got a good friend of mine that shares a story about his mother baking two peanut butter pies, <laughs> you know, for, 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 for Big George, and and, and it's just such a, a common thing. So I, I think about my friends that were, were were close friends with George. The person that comes to mind immediately is Steve Downing, uh, who is the director of athletics at Marion University. Obviously, was George's teammate in Indianapolis, Washington, at IU. I think about and George McGinnis in the last month or two. And I think uh, that, that that's rough. The other thing that strikes me as well is that when you look up at the Indiana Pacers banners that hang from the rafters, Reggie Miller is the last one that is with us. That the three retired numbers, which were the lone three retired numbers for seemingly the better part of 30 years, if not 25 years, Roger Brown, George McGinnis, Mel Daniels, the coaching number for Slick Leonard, You've obviously got Tamika's number retired in another another team, another part of the arena. But of all those Pacer greats, it's Reggie that is the one that's left us, and that's been sticking in my head these last couple of days as well. Greg, keeping it local here, um, we've had, and getting Greg, Greg Straw is with us. We're setting you up for a busy, busy sports weekend here in the state. You know, whether it's George McGinnis, you bring up Steve Downing, I kind of find it fitting that tomorrow we're going to get a great, great matchup over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Yes, Purdue and Arizona is obvious. Rake, Indiana State and Ball State. I mean, like, that is two teams that if you made a mid-major list right now of the best non-conference resumes, those two would be near the top of the list. Yeah, it shows you kind of the difference in the ability for those schools to get games against larger schools compared to what it was, say, 20 years ago. Thinking about all right, what's what's a similar game that we have had, and it was it was the o one o two season. That was the year that Ball State went to Maui as cannon fodder and played in the championship game. Uh, you know, I want to say they beat is it UCLA and Kansas, and then yeah. uh, and then they well, little Patrick UCLA and Duke Jackson lost to Kansas. Their... Something along something along those lines, and then Butler played them in Muncie like in December, and both teams were ranked in the top twenty five. That that's kind of almost what the feel of this is, and yes, I know it's an undercard, but I'm I'm just so happy for 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 both the success of ISU and Ball State, but for my friends at the Indiana Sports Corp because it got obviously the, you know the thought was hey once IU and Notre Dame kind of bailed on the Crossroads Classic, you know what's going to happen to this event, and in year two you've got to sell out, and I, I, that that part to me is really cool. Nine and one Indiana State, eight and two Ball State, and Rake. By all accounts, Indiana State offensively is pretty darn gifted. Yeah, uh, Robbie Avila can really play. Uh, played at, at USI. Ryan Conwell, who came back home uh, from South Florida after one year away from Pike High School, former Indiana All Star. Those guys fit well. And the ultimate compliment I can give the head coach and Josh Schertz is that when it, when other coaches say, man, that guy runs good stuff, when they're trying to emulate what that guy does from a coaching perspective, and, and, and teams have done that, you know, Josh has been a known commodity in coaching circles from his time at Lincoln Memorial in the Division II ranks. Um, Indiana State, I, I think, can have a, a special year. 
again, this isn't the old days. No matter what Indiana State does, the Valley's going to be a one-bid league. Um, somebody in that league would almost have to be like 29-2 and two or 30-1 or and one and not win their conference tournament and still get a bid. It's kind of the way that the game is played these days. If Indiana State can win the Valley, and if they can get in the NCAA tournament, I think they can win a game or two. I think that's how good they are, especially offensively. Greg Regstraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. It's a Friday here on the fans. A great college basketball Saturday coming up. I'm just uh, browsing the games here. And obviously, uh, you guys mentioned the one you were talking about, Arizona-Purdue, the other one at GameBridge, and then Kansas-Indiana. Let's look at those two games, the IU game, the Purdue game. Do you have strong thoughts on either one of these games, how you think they may play out? Uh, I think you'll see IU play with a lot of pride. You know, I, I question how good IU really is. I think they're a borderline tournament team, but I don't question the fact that they got run. They got embarrassed last week. And, yes, it was finals week, so maybe your practice schedule is a little bit different uh, when you're on the payroll. I'm not sure show finals matter that much anymore, but they've been off since last Saturday. Uh, and they got embarrassed on national TV. Uh, and so the combination of that being at home, having a marquee non-conference opponent coming into Bloomington, I think you'll see a much better effort from Indiana. So can they win this game? Absolutely they can. Will they? Let's figure it out. Um, the one thing that they, they, they cannot do is give up anywhere near the points they gave up last week because I do think Indiana is an offensively limited team in terms of what they can do. But I expect them to play a whole lot better. As far as Purdue is concerned, it's another great test for them. But again, I'll keep singing the same song about Purdue. There is such a been there, done that with this group until you get to March. And so to me, what Purdue is playing for is to stay in that top one or two seed line, which then gives them the first and second rounds in the exact same building they are going to be playing in tomorrow. So because Purdue has accomplished so much from November 1st through March 15th, over the last couple of seasons, you almost kind of tend to shrug your shoulders. It's great if they beat Arizona. I'm not going to freak out if they don't because what I care about is what they do when the Big Ten tournament ends. That's what's important for this basketball team. He is Greg Rakestraw. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake shifting gears to tomorrow and an absolutely massive one inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, to me, T.J. Watt's presence and no Braden Smith is a huge, huge deal in a negative way for the Colts. Yep. How they handle him, the attention they give Watt is of, I think, utmost concern. Uh, is that enough, you think, for Pittsburgh to overcome the lack of quarterback play? Potentially. I mean, uh, <laughs> there might be a whole lot of Iowa fans may show up in droves tomorrow because it might be a whole lot of punts uh, in, in that game. Um, that, and that might not be a bad thing for the Colts. What they've got to do is win the turnover battle, and that has been said since the beginning of time. Um, th- that, to me, is the most important stat, even the National Football League. But what this team does not have is margin for error. What they got away with, to some degree, against the Panthers, against the Patriots, to a lesser degree against the Buccaneers, and clearly did not get away whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With um, in the loss to the Bengals is margin for error. So if Pittsburgh is going to struggle offensively, which I think they will, what you can't do is give them points on special teams and defense. What you can't do is, is give them short fields. So to, to address T.J. Watt, if that means that Mo Ali cox is playing right-right tackle for most of the game tomorrow, that's fine. If it means you're going short passing game and Zach Moss is a blocking back, that's fine. Um, I'd love to see the Colts score. Don't turn the ball over. Make this mediocre, and that's being nice, Pittsburgh offense, make them go the length of the field to beat you. If the Colts can do that, They've got a good chance of winning the game. If the defense from Pittsburgh creates havoc, creates turnovers, Colts might be cooked. Greg Regstraw with us here on this Friday. Uh, we've covered everything but Ballgate. 
Uh, we have not. Uh, the, who has the ball? Who has Giannis's ball? We talked about Are it yesterday. Are we still doing this? Uh, for about two hours. Well, we don't know what Rake thinks about it. So, Greg, what do you? What did you make of the drama after the game? The running down the hallway of Giannis. The uh, just everything that, that happened was a there after the game. Down the hallway by Giannis. <laughs> what did you make of the well, drama in the NBA a couple nights ago? Uh, you know, e- even though we don't use tape anymore. Um, I, I felt in my head that I said, mark the tape. Because yesterday when I was listening to you guys, I want to say sometime in the 9 o'clock hour, I go, oh my goodness, I agree with something Andy just said. It nice. doesn't happen that often. <laughs> so I wanted, I wanted to make sure I, I marked the moment in time <laughs> well, when, was that, was the, well, when was that was it? the case. And that was the Pacers are on the Bucks' radar. Yeah, The Pacers are under the Bucks' skin. Uh, I literally texted a friend of mine in the in the Pacers organization and said that exact same thing. I'm like that. I, that's actually a good thing. Now, listen, what what the Bucks did was 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 and, and Giannis was ridiculously stupid and dumb and childish. Um, but we talked about during the run or the in season tournament. Hey, people care about the Pacers. People are talking about the Pacers. The Pacers have re-energized the fan base here in Indianapolis. Well, now they have gotten under the radar of a team that is shaping up to be a division rival. It makes that next batch of games against the Bucks a big stinking deal, which are not, it's not that far down the road. This is the next evolution in that. So the act in of itself was dumb. The result or the precursor to get there is wonderful. Um, uh, a, a little bit of hate in sports isn't exactly mm-hmm. a bad thing. Nope. We may have that now between the Bucks and the Pacers. I think yep. that's a good thing for everybody involved. Yeah, you earn some venom uh, in, in yep. what they've created there so far. Right, Christmas comes early to me on Tuesday. That is when you and I up US 31 to watch Micah Shrewsbury and the Irish. You are very gracious in that you have said that you want to drive. So I ask yep. you this, what car snacks can I pick up for our commute there on Tuesday, okay? I mean, isn't the ultimate car snack combos? Do you ever eat yeah. combos when you're not in the car? No, no. no. that's a great you, point. You, now, do you have a you, pre- you, particular flavor? Are you a pizza guy? I, do you go with the original? What, what, what do you like? I treat this like office space. I celebrate the entire catalog when it comes to Michael Bolton. Uh, so typically, it would be the pizza flavored combos. Oh yeah. Um, I, I know Taco down. Meal. I know Ta- Taco Bell has, has has got fourth meal, you know, under wraps from like years ago. Um, but to me, like fourth meal is combos and Mountain Dew as you're road tripping anywhere you may go. So bringing snacks is not necessary. You know, your friendship is good enough. But if you bring combos, I'm probably not going to turn them down. I'm not going to lie about it. Just above the to-do list on Christmas presents for Rosie Max, Greg Rakestraw, pizza combos, Mountain Dew coming your way. I kind of feel like the other ones I was I was gonna say, Rake, when you were done uh, a mini list here. I kind of feel like Slim Jim and then something beef jerky is on that list as well. If you don't go combos and then something like a like a Mike and Ike, some sort of candy, chewable candy. As I'm a Gardetto well. guy as okay. well. That's fair. All right. So on Thursday, I agree with Andy. On Friday, that streak came to a crashing end. <laughs> One day's not bad. Um, with, with Slim Jims and Mike and Ikes. Uh, Gardettos, <laughs> always good. Um, a little beef jerky, good. I try to have that as like a healthy snack inside of the house. When I'm road tripping, my health concerns seemingly no longer matter. <laughs> Combos and Mountain Dew, full stop. I cannot wait. Ray, give us the rundown tomorrow for you schedule-wise before we wrap it up. All right, so tonight, North Central and Carmel, ISC, my Indy TV. Tomorrow noon, uh, IUPUI and Lindenwood, that is second-year Division One program, St. Charles, Missouri, Ohio Valley Conference. That's noon at the Coliseum. Then as soon as that is over with, I will head south and uh, join 80-something thousand sports-loving Indiana natives-ish uh, as I head towards Lucas Oil Stadium for a 4.30 kickoff for Colts and Steelers with post-game coverage right here from 7.30 to 10.30. Who was the Colts running back from Lindenwood? D.D. Dorsey. Oh, I knew Rick would be good all pull. over that. That's a good pull. D.D. Dorsey. Gosh, great call. It took a hard man. drive about .3 seconds. I remember old number 25 who also then went to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. No one like them. Combos and Mountain Dew on the agenda coming up Tuesday. Rick, cannot wait for that. Uh, have a great weekend, and I will see you certainly next Tuesday. See you, fellas. 
All right, final hour here. Been a fun week of shows here. Hanging out with you in the DriveHuber.com studios. Wake up call, KB and Andy. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Miss any of the show? The podcast will be up. Check it out, 1075thefan.com or wherever you get your podcast. You heard the promo there leading in. 12.30, our coverage right here on The Fan. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday game as the Steelers visit Lucas Oil. And to talk about that and much more, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us here on the Payless liquors hotline Maytay. good morning how are you today sir good morning i'm good what's going on with you sellers uh man i'm just ready to go uh big weekend big saturday then a full day of nfl bunch of college basketball bowl games starting up uh, holidays getting closer anxiety that i purchased next to nothing for christmas <laughs> Christmas for anybody. 10 days. It's a lifetime at this point. uh, Week and a half or so. So it should be a lot of fun. Let me ask you this. uh, Before we look at the game on Saturday, Pittsburgh coming into town, let's go back if you don't mind. I asked Stephen Holder on Tuesday a very like question. I want to do the same with you here. Uh, What do you think in that Bengals game are you throwing away and saying it's a one-off? We're not going to see the Colts be that bad again in this particular area. And what sort of things coming from that loss make you nervous about the game on Saturday? Well, the, the part of last Sunday's game where you get the scope out and you, you rinse out the mouth, that's that's the special teams. That was really uncharacteristic, the way the Colts played in the third phase of the game, especially with the ultra-reliable Matt Gay, you know, shanking a 38-yard field goal, you know, that hits off the post and then misses the, the PAT, and then you had some blunders, you know, jumping off sides, you know, continuing a, a drive for Cincinnati where they go from scoring a field goal to a touchdown because of a penalty. Um, you had guys Guys running into, you know, uh, you, had, you had the blunder there on the muff punt that led to a field goal late in the game. So, you know, special teams has been pretty good this season under first-year uh, special teams coordinator in, in Brian Mason. Um, so that was really uncharacteristic, the way that the third phase of the game really did not show out in Cincinnati. So that's that's part of this game or this team that I'm, I'm saying with four games to go is a little bit of a blip on the radar that I think is going to be shored up in short order here. You got an analogy for us? Ooh, he always does. You ready for this one? Yeah. Oh, ooh. Yeah, let's oh, go. Boy, is this off the top of your head, or have you been thinking about this? Um, this is this is like five minutes to go before you called, popped into my head. <laughs> You're like, gosh, so this going to ask this me some game, dumb analogy question. This game here. is like the, the pretty girl in high school, okay. the really the really popular girl that's maybe out of your league a little bit. Well, there's and, no maybe amount about it, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, especially for you guys. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but all all week long, all day long, it's like Friday. You're you're trying to find the courage to to ask her to the prom or to ask her to the big dance, ask her to homecoming, and you're trying to find the right window. Maybe you get her by the locker, maybe you get her at, at lunch, but you just can't find the right place to to get in front of her to ask her out. And you know, hey, it's it's school gets let out at three o'clock. It's two o'clock right now. You're going to the seventh period. You still haven't found the right chance to do it, but you know you better do it because at the end of the day, she's going home with the older guy that's got the cool car that lives in her neighborhood, and it's going to take her home before the parents get home from work around three oh thirty. Oh right? easy now. Very descriptive here. Yes. That guy's name is Chad, by the way. Yeah, and and you know the detail what's on this is just impeccable, Matt Taylor. You're right? painting a picture more beautiful than you do every Sunday. Because we've all been there. That's why we we've all lived this, and so it's you you know what's going to happen if you don't ask her out. You know what's going to happen if the older you know better looking dude um, that that has the the, the garage pass uh, is is able to to get in with her. You know what's going to happen. Um, so that's that's why this game for the Colts is so so big. The the cute girl in this analogy. That's the playoffs here for the Colts because you know you still got three games to go after this one, but it's going to be really tough to get in front of that cute girl and can and convince her to, to go home with you and to go to the prom with you, whatever you want to say. So that's why this game for the Colts uh, tomorrow is, is so big because things can be swayed in, in such a positive direction if, if you get a win. And obviously, if you don't get a win, it's going to be really, really tough just because of the logjam of the other five, seven, and six teams uh, in the AFC conference right now. So that's a really, really bad, cheesy analogy, but that's, that's kind of where man. you're at. 
That's late, pretty good. Late in the season here, right? You know what time it is. It's you're going into seventh period, and you uh, need to make a move, show some courage, scratch and, and claw, you know, pull off an upset. Uh-huh, that was a peek scratch and the claw here, Matt Taylor. That was absolutely beautiful. If you could pull that off with well Rick done. Venturi tomorrow, that would be uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> now I don't know where T.J. Watt fits into said <laughs> analogy, Matt Taylor, uh, but throughout the show today, I've talked about his presence and. To me, and I'm sure you've seen the numbers as well, it's astonishing how different Pittsburgh is with him on the field, with him off it. Uh, it's a seven-point difference for their defense, 26 points to 19. Uh, they've won, I think it's 67% of the games over the last four years with him in the lineup. It's 10% when he's out. And I look at Blake Freeland and think, man, this is just, boy, a lot of attention. And then the balance of, okay, don't you need those guys out on route trees, et cetera, et cetera. You get into obvious passing situations. Uh, I am very worried about T.J. Watt come tomorrow afternoon. I mean, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, the, the guy is just an unbelievable ball player. I mean, in year seven already, he's got the franchise uh, record for, for sacks. And you, you talk about the Steelers. I mean, they are they're sack city as a franchise. I mean, they are known for disruption, getting after quarterbacks, and he leads the charge and all the great defensive players they've had in the history of their franchise. So it's, it's not only him, though, KB. It's, it's Highsmith as well, and he's healthy, and, and both guys are going to play on, on Saturday. They're going to both bring, you know, their their twenty combined sacks to Lucas Oil Stadium tomorrow. Um, so you're exactly right. That's that was a, a negative break for the Colts, you know, with, with both guys right. clearing concussion protocol um, in short order, uh, having, you know, started the, the protocol or you know started that process last Saturday, um, stemming from their Thursday night game against the Patriots. Um, so you're right. I mean, it, how do you how do you combat that with a rookie right tackle trying to slow him down, whether it's it's Watt on, on Freeland or Highsmith on Freeland because they're going to rotate some, not a lot. But for the most part, you're asking a, a first-year player to slow down you know, the, the 2021 Defensive Player of the Year that's got 90-plus sacks in his career, that's got a full arsenal of pass rush moves, um, that's just kind of licking his chops, not only against a rookie right tackle, but a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Um, those two guys, you know, Highsmith and, and certainly J.J. Watt, those are the two X-factors for the Colts tomorrow. There's no doubt about that. If we're talking T.J. Watt in the analogy, guys, and help me here, isn't T.J. Watt the guy at the rival high school who's uh, also good-looking, who can ask the, the pretty girl out uh, and just Chad's ruin cousin. everything? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I think that's what T.J. Watt Matt Taylor's story here, so Matt, that's all you. Yeah, he might be like the car that the, the, the popular good-looking guy drives in this scenario. And it, it, it's crazy because... I mean, it is, it is such an advantage for Pittsburgh to have those two guys tomorrow because, I mean, I know you guys were talking about this earlier in the week, but offensively, Pittsburgh is just so sluggish, right? They got a backup quarterback now in Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, Pickens has kind of fallen off a little bit. Johnson is their main target. They're running the ball, but but not to you know a, a, a tune where they're scoring 25, 30 points per game. I mean, their season average is 16 points per game for a reason, and their defense is just elite, especially in the second half when they get a sense of. You know, who you are that day, what you're trying to do, how you're trying to move the ball against them. You know, they're kind of like Belichick, right? They make you play left handed. They take away your best options. And, you know, in the second half on the season, they're giving up only seven points per game past halftime for the season, right? They have, they have the number one margin in the NFL scoring margin in the second half this year. So it's really important for the Colts to get off to a good start, not turn the football over because that's what Pittsburgh wants you to do. Do. Pittsburgh is kind of this, you know, kind of this boring, I hate to say it, but kind of like this boring, um, kind of slug it out type of football team on offense. They're running the ball pretty well. They're not turning the ball over. They're tied for the fewest turnovers or the fewest giveaways uh, in the NFL this season. On defense, they don't have great numbers in terms of total defense, not great against the run, not great against the pass, but they've got a low uh, point total allowed number because they're really good at taking the football away, and they're really good at at keeping points or keeping you out of the end zone once you get inside the 20-yard line, making you settle for field goals. So that formula has kept them in games. They're they're 7-2 in in one-score games this year. They've played nine one-score games, which is the most in the NFL. They got a boatload 
Minnesota wins where they're even trailing uh, at the end of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter because their defense is so stingy past halftime. They're riding that defense, and that's why it's it was it was going to be advantage Colts if you didn't have Watt and Highsmith available, but of course now the Steelers do, so that's why the first 30 minutes I think is so important for the Colts to beat the Steelers in that first half and kind of set the tone and and make more plays in the fourth quarter, which obviously Pittsburgh has had a habit of doing in these one-score games. It's a great stat on second-half defense. I did not know that. Matt Taylor with us here. Payless Liquors Hotline, voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Again, 12-30 coverage here uh, tomorrow as the Steelers in town there in Lucas Oil. The running game the last two games, Jonathan Taylor out. We know it's going to be heavy doses again of Zach Moss. 55 and 46. Those are the rushing outputs the last two games. Do you think they can turn that around? And if so, how do they turn that around Saturday afternoon? Yeah, you're just going to have to pry it open, you know, like to, to steal a line from Rick. You know, you, you, you just have to come up with some more creative ways. You're not going to really, you know, pound them up front um, schematically. You're not going to, uh, you know, over, um, you know, for lack of a better term, you're not going to have more physicality than, than Pittsburgh because of how they play. You're going to have to match that, but you're going to have to somehow schematically pry open the running game because you're right, Andy. I mean, the last two games you've, you've combined for 101 yards rushing, um, 2.5 yards per carry. That Those are the lowest uh, rushing numbers in back-to-back games for the Colts um, since the 2018 season. Um, so I, I think sort of the, the troubles for the Colts offensively the last couple of games uh, it kind of stems from their uh, inability to, big, to get some big runs. You know, I think the Colts only have one run over 10 yards in the last two games as well. So, you know, schematically you're going to have to get creative, you know, put some people in motion, um, you know, maybe have an unbalanced line, uh, run some whams, you know, pull some some guys. Uh, It's not just the inside zone or the outside zone. Um, They're going to mix it up between, you know, what Rick calls that that under front defensively. They're going to mix in some bear with those pinched in defensive tackles and nose tackles. So schematically, you're just going to have to be good in situational football. And and what I mean by that is you're going to have to be better running the ball on first down because I think in the last two games, the Colts have 17 first down rush attempts for only 50 yards. So that's you know that's not putting you in second down and five or getting getting you into third down and four or less. That's putting you a lot of the times in you know third down and eight, third down and ten, where the probability of getting those are, are really tough when teams get exotic on defense. And that has led to the Colts having a really poor third down conversion number. I mean, I think they only have seventeen third down conversions in the last five games. The last two games, they're six for twenty five combined on third down conversion and try. So um, that's not going to cut it against a, a Pittsburgh defense, like I said, that especially in the second half is, is so, so good at getting you off the field, taking the football away, getting you into third and, and precarious. So, um, you know, situational rushing, I think, is big because you're not going to run for probably 160 or flirt with 200 yards rushing in this game, but you're going to have to be good in right. five. You got to get something. Get a good yards per carry average. Yeah, you got to get something. It can't, it can't be, you know, it just can't be bad run or a penalty and then, you know, you know then Minshew's having to throw against T.J. Watt. It's not going to work. Yeah. Of the obvious, to say the least. Uh, his beautiful storyline Hollywood film will be on, I believe, USA tonight around 8 or 9 o'clock. Quite <laughs> the Hallmark the, Channel. The Hallmark Channel, quite the high school <laughs> romance that Matt Taylor painted for us earlier in describing the analogy. For this one, again, about a 40% shift in playoff odds. 60-ish with a win, 20-ish with a loss. That's what is at stake tomorrow. At 4.30, our coverage, what, I'm guessing 12.30, right? Don't we do four hours before kickoff? I would guess 12.30, that will begin. Matt Taylor, have a great call, and uh, we'll talk to you next Friday, man. Will do. I appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend.